All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to Make It Plain Wayne, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and this is Elevated Friendship. All right, so I want to get back into this topic that, honestly, we've seen this and even done this. And, and if you're like me, I'm a giver, I'm a, I'm a compassionate uh, extrovert that spent his life being an introvert. <laughs> the question and the topic today is why me? So you say, why me? I'm always the victim. I'm always getting blamed. I'm always getting picked on. Everybody's getting more than me. Everybody looks better than me. Everybody's making more money than me. People are having the opportunities that I should have had. And people are just capitalizing on, you know, the things that, you know, I should have and, and I should I should be in. Well, I've been there. I really have. I really have. And 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 please enjoy some of this beautiful weather with me here. I, I'm as close to the street as I can possibly be without being outside. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I want the sun on my face. As soon as I get done with this, I'm going to go outside, walk around, get nice and sweaty, get some of that vitamin K be delicious um (laughs) but back to the topic you're a victim you're being robbed and sometimes it's resources sometimes it's physical ability in your body sometimes it is that touchdown sometimes it is a whole person you believe you should have been with maybe it's a career Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's the relationship that this person has with other people. You feel like you should have that. And that's the thing. I haven't been through every individual circumstance that you've been through. I won't act and and be dumb and act like I've been through everything you've been through. I have not. But I understand the mindset and the feeling of being a victim, feeling like a victim, and it's just me against the world. I've seen the fire and the ice. I've seen the success and the failure. I've seen, it it almost seems like there's people that know how to climb the right ladder and people that are just pulling on that ladder that just won't quite pull down. They're like pulling on the rope to pull it down. They just can't get their ladder to come down and they burn up their hands. They almost break their ankles, pulling themselves up and falling back down. They, They tear ligaments. It's like anything they try to do to get up I'm going to get on top of this garbage and stand up and jump up. And they slip and fall off of that and fall into the garbage can and or the garbage dump. And now they just look even worse. So it's hard. I get it. And if you're a giver, I am. You know, I get it from my mom. (laughs) You feel like I gave away a whole loaf of bread. Why is it so hard for me to even just go get a crumb? I got to go in the, the, you know, that street curb, the crevice where the water washes all the nasty stuff through. I got to go search through that to get just a crumb back. I'll give a a slice of beautiful Ezekiel bread toasted uh, uh, with peanut butter on it. (laughs) And and, and I get the, the lint. The, the piece of cardboard that nobody wants anymore. So 
the while thinking about this, I had a I had an epiphany, some irony. Watching a track meet, and for those of you that don't know, I'm a track guy. When I see Dwight, when I see Sonia Richardson Ross, when I see Otto Bolden, that is my Super Bowl. I am happy. So from <laughs> basically April to uh, uh, July, I, I couldn't be happier. Nothing against the you know the NBA and the championship. Love watching that go Hawks. Um, and and I can't wait for you know when that when that's finally over. I can't wait for my uh, Falcons to take up, rise up. Come on, Dirty Bird. I love I. I I love what I love about the NFL and I love what I love about the NBA and the sports and the challenge and all that. But I noticed something. We want that speed and and the, the speed of the success without understanding what it takes to get it. Now, understand a kid like like this new kid, uh, Matt Bowling. Um, I ran with a, a guy in college that almost had the exact same name. His name was Belling. I'm like, oh, it must run in the family. <laughs> but this kid has natural ability in his body, and he's blowing the whole country away with the natural ability in his body, and he'll, he's super, super fast. But you got to understand, he has to do some work to get that speed and keep it. Now, that's one thing to go out and, and, and dust your friends and, and, and beat anybody, blow them out of the water, sheenin', <laughs> so we used to call it. And you just had that jet dirt turbo pack, natural ability, street curb, you know, street light to street light, done. But you have to go and maintain that. And it takes planning, coaching, talent, strategy, science, heart, drive, determination, love, passion. Because that talent for that speed that everybody loves, speed to do things with ease, the speed to click this button and order, the speed to get the food delivered, the speed to go in to, and get your favorite sandwich made or soup or salad, or the speed to have things and access to things fashion usual. That talent will look really good going through high school. Oh, you can blow anybody out of the water. That's you know, fish in a barrel. That's easy pickings. You can even ride that talent wave all the way through to college and still look impressive. Pretty, you know, pretty impressive. You know, a couple national championships, couple, you know, top placements in your conference, you know, whether you're SEC or ACC or, you know, Big Ten. You can look pretty good. But once you start to go pro, like Allison Felix, and, and Marion Jones were pro runners, pro sprinters at the age of 15. They were just dominant, beautiful runners. Great, great careers. Mike Tyson, same thing. 19 years old, knocking grown men out. And, and if you talk to any fighters that really know, the guys that Mike Tyson was fighting, they were pretty much supposed to follow in the footsteps of Muhammad Ali. They were perfect, chiseled, toned, tall, lanky, great strikes, great ability, great right hands, great jabs. That talent will only get you so far. Once you start getting in that, that hearty, deep, rich pack where, you know, it, it, it was a desert, you know, you were the only one out there. Now you're in a forest. And everybody's the same height as you, same ability as you. They might 
speak a different language. They might smell different, eat a little something different, talk a little bit different, walk a little bit different, wear different clothes. You only shop at Walmart, they only shop at Target. <laughs> but that talent will only go so far with that speed. So you're saying, how do you connect the dots between track and field speed and the speed of everything that we have nowadays with our technology and being the victim? Asking the question, why me? Oh, I'm getting there. <laughs> Let's let this cook. Let's let it roast for a little bit. So as a runner, for that 100-meter dash, let's just say just a 100-meter dash, you want to be the woman that is faster than any woman in the world. Daphne Shippers, Elaine, uh, Tori, you want to be that woman that's faster than, you know, every woman in the world. Or man, to run that Olympic final race or world final race that only lasts seconds. I mean, you you can't even heat up your food from the refrigerator with the amount of time that these people are going to run this race. It's not even 30 seconds. It's not even 15 seconds. It's almost half that for, for some of them, how fast they are. You're going to train about 10 months for that final race. It's all preparation for that final race. And you are learning how to milk and manipulate the muscle, the tendons, the bone, your gravity, your strengths, your weaknesses, just to run less than a minute, 30 seconds. Blink of an eye that separates you from second place and, and third place. So it's like, if it takes 10 months to prepare to be great and beat the world, 10 months for that race, that is so short. You can blink and it's done. You can't even go make popcorn. The, the race will be done so fast. It's like lightning. What does it take to be good at everything else? What does it take to be good at, at being the first female president? What does it take to be uh, a CEO, a good dad, a good mom? A good father, a good mother, husband, a good brother, a good sister, a good teammate, a good co-worker, a good Samaritan, all these things. What does it take to be good at that? The needs, the thing that we need. You know, maybe we start with a book. Maybe we start with a seminar. Maybe we start with a podcast. Hey, hey. <laughs> And then you got to ask maybe a new question. Who will feed my good life? Who's going to help me build that? So speed isn't always the key to winning. Speed isn't always the key to success. It's a component of success, but you ask, why me? Why me? And, and please stay with me and think about this. Let's say you have a good barber, a good beautician, a great salon versus a fast one. Come on, stay with me. Which one would you rather go to? The good barber, the good salon, the good beautician, 
that is good. Five stars on Yelp. <laughs> They're top rated. They're good. They're great. Versus someone who can get you done faster. I, I, I got an appointment. I got a job interview. I got a, you know, I, I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be on the news tonight. Being interviewed by Barbara Walters. My Good Morning America. I need a fast haircut. I need a fast hairdo. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead and get the fast thing. Now, fast doesn't always necessarily equate with good. And that's what I think people should be most afraid of. Just getting it fast and getting it done right now to be like everybody else. That doesn't necessarily set you up well in life. I don't think. Now, if you can get an undeniable blessing and it just drops on your doorstep and it is great quality and it came fast and it's good and you can use it and it's just marvelous. Yeah, go ahead. Then I like speed. If the speed lines you up with quality fast and something that you will use and it will change you for the better. Yeah, I'm all for it. But we have this pressure to succeed. We have this pressure to be a certain thing at a certain time. Oh, 20 years old, 21. Got to do this. Got to keep up with the Joneses. You're 30. Oh, you got to do this. Boom, boom, boom. Got to do these three things. Got to keep up with the Joneses. 40. Got to do this. Got to keep up with the Joneses. Oh, you're 65 and you still haven't. Got to keep up with the Joneses. And if you know people named Jones like me, you understand how funny this is because if they're listening, they're like, is he talking about me? I'm not. <laughs> I just, well, got to keep up with the Reynolds. <laughs> you got you to keep up with the Richards, with the Smiths, with the Elijahans. You got to keep up with the Shabazzes or you got to keep up with the Pastroyos, with uh, the Barrientos. <laughs> you got to get whoever they, whoever they are. And they're impressive. They're great people. Where did that pressure come from? And, and shame on us for forcing these standards onto people to where they feel alone. They feel busted. They feel like they didn't make it in life. Their depression is growing. Their self-esteem is going down. Depression is up. Self-esteem is down. And we berate them. We guilt trip them. Oh, you still haven't got it. You still ain't it. And it's like, come on now. If you know me and you really care about me, shouldn't you care enough to like get a shovel and help me dig so I can plant some of these great things for tomorrow, these great fruits and vegetables for tomorrow that will help me harvest? Because if you've already done it, I mean, why can't you help me? You're so good at it. So can we talk about late success for a second? Why me? Always a victim, always getting hurt, always getting beat out for the promotions. Colonel Sanders, Samuel L. Jackson, Vera Wang, the creator of ramen noodles, Rodney Dangerfield. These people were in their 40s and 60s and retired, pretty much pushed to the side. 
and you know their name. Masses of money. Only thing that's stopped a couple of them has been health, old age. So when I say Colonel Sanders, you're going to think, oh, Colonel Sanders, white hair, white goatee, made fun of him in Waterboy, the Adam Sandler movie. You see his logo, you see his face. You think he's just the mascot for this chicken chain franchise restaurant that everybody loves. You think he's the mascot. Nope. Colonel Sanders had a hard life and had failed by many people's standards. He had failed in his in his fatherhood, child, you know, raising his children. He had failed in his marriage. He had failed pretty much in his job. He wasn't doing well at that. He wasn't really doing well at anything, but man, this dude could fry some chicken. He go to state fairs and fry it up, county fairs and fry it up. And please, I'm not afraid to be fact checked. Please go ahead and do the math, do the research and look this up. Find the lie. Nothing wrong with that. So this man has failed at life, but he's a master with his herbs and spices and making chicken. So he keeps going to the county fair. County fair is a cart. The cart becomes a tent. The tent becomes a booth. Booth becomes a store. Store becomes a franchise and so on and so on. And now you go get the chicken bites and bowls and all that delicious stuff. And I can't tell you how many times I've had KFC chicken growing up. Oh, my God. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson was in his 40s going to Hollywood. Now, if he was in his 40s going to Hollywood, you're like, well, how old is he now? <laughs> he's in that Morgan Freeman status. You just can't tell because he did Avengers and he, he, he's, he stays pretty limbered up really well. He's a, he's a real cool dude. Vera Wang, same thing. Fashionista. How do you enter the fashion world older and alone? The creator of Ramen Noodles, you wouldn't recognize his name. But I guarantee you've had a, a thousand bowls of, of ramen noodles. Oh, my God. That was a delicacy <laughs> at a certain point in my life. That was, oh, my God, it was everything. And uh, <laughs> then Rodney Dangerfield, I don't need to tell you how hard it is in the entertainment industry, both Samuel L. Jackson and Rodney Dangerfield. Um, comedy is very hard. And making it as an older comic, even harder. Um, because your material has to click and hit certain spots in people's minds to make them laugh. And there's a certain dose of pain and pleasure that every comedian has to where they're borderline mm, insane, borderline crazy. Now, we, we'd have to define what crazy is sometime, but... Um, that's a late success. Entering success and your riches in your 40s, 50s, and 60s, it's not necessarily the plan everybody's going to teach when you're graduating from high school. You're not going to hear that at your commencement speech, especially in college. For all the money we pay to go to school for those loans that we're paying back, it doesn't even seem worth it to, to wait that long or to be working up to that goal that long. But... That's what's so beautiful about life. If you have a dream, if you have a passion, no one can work that like you. And they don't all have to be the same. So 
I used to be kind of repulsed and, and, and grossed out by millionaires because I'm just like, why not help? Why not share? Why not, you know, help the homeless and, and all the things that, that are out here? And I started to realize something. They've had so much expensive wine, expensive clothing. They've been in these jacuzzis, these expensive jacuzzis for so long that they don't they don't really know how to think like you. They don't really know how to think on that level anymore to be humble and and drop down to think, oh man, I I gotta make a choice. Either I'm gonna buy this car or I'm gonna go on vacation. If I just if I delay the vacation until, I don't know, six months from now, then maybe I'll go. They're not doing that. Or mm, I can't I don't think I'll be getting this car now because, you know, I'm, bank account's too low. I got to pay these bills. I got this coming up, that kind of, my kids doing this, doing that. I got to pay for this trip, that trip. They're not there. They're not in that humble humility part of humanity, but I can tell you where they are. They are in that animalistic eagle, lion, jaguar strike part of their mind. They're very in touch with nature, very in touch with life. They know exactly what life is. <laughs> but you watch that shark tank and the truth comes out. Now, these millionaires and billionaires, they won't be honest and say what's on their mind, the truth, but they know they're exactly like you. They know that in the stroke of a pen, natural disaster, the perfect circumstance could put them right where you are or worse, especially the amount of time that they've you know, acquired their wealth and what they use to acquire their wealth. They'll never admit it, but they know they're exactly like you. So they take special steps to make sure that never happens. And then you watch this Shark Tank. I... I used to think this show was so cool. Then I went through a period where I thought it was horrible because I'm like, stop giving them money. Stop giving them the thing that you want. You're giving them your gift. Sometimes they'll straight up reject a person and say, no offense. Like, I really love your product, but I'm out because I actually want to see you build this yourself. We're a lot alike. And I want to see you build this yourself. I don't want any stake in your company. I don't want any stake in your dream. I want you to build that. Now, they might say this on camera and go do the exact opposite. But wow, just to hear that, that is humility. And when someone that has that amount of money or that amount of truth doesn't mind being humble, that is a blessing. So, yeah, their arrogance is top notch. I mean, it, it's almost like a wall, but when they're humble, it's like, you need to listen to that. And so there's going to be a mindset within them. That's going to be a little bit different. And, and if you paint this picture, say you have somebody living in the projects or just moved out of the projects or trailer park, and all you've been called all your life is trailer trash, redneck. All you've been called is, you know, <laughs> poor, gutter, trash, thug, menace to society. You've been called all these bad things. 
for 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 this circumstance, hypothetically, I want to put you right next to a millionaire, a billionaire. And even though you might agree on a lot of things together and say that you're the same on a lot, you could in that elevator conversation. There's going to be a moment where that millionaire, that billionaire, whomever he or she is, uh, she. And there's going to be a moment where they start talking and you, your brain is going to start to hurt because you're just like, what? Like, it's reprogramming. They're reprogramming you. And there comes a point where in this person's life, they had to elevate their mind to think above where they were. One of the best ways to do this, I know it sounds dumb, is go up to a tall building and look down. Yeah, you, you wonder why they built pyramids. You wonder why they built castles. It wasn't just to look out for enemies. It wasn't just to get higher to the sun, touch, the, touch God or the gods or whoever. It gave you perspective. It's, it's an organization. When you're face down in something, you fall in a puddle of mud or you're eating your food. Even as a child, you're face down in something. You can't get the whole picture. And that's why people that can see the whole picture are so valuable to a lot of these Fortune 500 companies, um, sales teams, um, especially as coaches. Oh, my God. Don't, don't get me started on that with, you know, the, the Falcons and the Patriots Super Bowl. <laughs> Seeing the whole picture is so valuable. And so if you talk to them, you'll start to notice they'll say things and do things that almost seem like it's almost like homework. They almost make it sound easy. It's for a reason. They're trying to break you out of that mentality, that mindset. And it's no wonder there's all these books out there that nobody's reading except for the top 1%. Except for those people scratching. They're just like scratching at the the ceiling of where the top 1% are. Everybody else is just complaining and saying, why me? Why am I always the victim? Why does my brother get it? Why does my sister get it? Why does my aunt or my uncle always get it? Why does the jerk always get it? The jerk is willing to work hard and not care what anybody thinks. That's his pathway. That's for him or her. The the woman that you dare say, that bitchy, nasty woman is always getting everything. She's found a way to put her morals in a place where it doesn't interfere with her goal. In that notion, she is achieving her goals better than us. So is he, whoever this guy is that we call a jerk. So morals are morals, but achievement is achievement. Success is success. Now, I won't encourage anybody to cheat, lie, steal. And then if that's what they're doing to get on top, okay. But if you get on top your way, your pathway, you read your books, you listen to your podcast, you listen to your special songs, You get your energy, your mind, your focus built up. 
do that. Don't care about what anybody else thinks. And as as a matter of fact, while you're building your structure, your mind, your facilities to win, sometimes you can't talk to everybody because they don't have it, so they can't give it. So the elite are going to talk different. These millionaires are going to be a little bit different. And this is why song is so important. You ever wonder, why is it that song is so important in in a church? Why is it that song and music is so important for certain uh, uh, TV shows, the ballads, the the programs that we watch? Even uh, the news station, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, song and melodies are very important. So I want to caution you, if you're listening to the uh, <laughs> Adele's and Beyonce's and Whitney Houston's and, you know, uh, Justin Bieber's and all that, what's that doing for you? Is it accompanying, uh, I'm sorry, accompanying and a companion to your misery or is it killing it? Maybe you need a misery killer. Maybe you need a self-esteem builder. Maybe you need a depression soggy killer or washer or whatever you want to call it. You can turn that frown upside down, Charlie Brown. (laughs) So music is important. Make that tone, that soundtrack that gets you going up. We've been down and crying and asking why me for far too long. And diversity in earnings and income is a beautiful thing. There, uh, this just hit my mind random. They didn't have cheerleader uh, outfits and shoes the way they do now. They didn't have uh, street lights that look the way they do now. Menards and Lowe's and all these companies that you drive by them and you don't even think about it. The music, the schools, the food, the banks, the cars, the finances, the homes, all of these are industries that somebody had to step into and work into. And nobody was nobody was taking it up. Nobody was doing anything. The nail shops, the salons, the beautiful, you know, there's places right now that just need a good barber shop, need a good salon. They don't have one. There's a place needs a good, uh, I don't know, bed and breakfast. <laughs> I mean, there's so many ways to market and, and promote yourself. But that is that your passion? We got to be passionate. And, and I hate to say it, but if you don't lust after it, if it doesn't kind of make the, the corner of your mouth drool a little bit, if you don't have a love or a desire for it, they say fake it till you make it. Now, I know why they say that. And it's because you're mentally putting yourself in a place where you're in that success. It's no different than closing your eyes and visualizing the money, visualizing yourself making the shot visualizing the conversation that you want to have for that promotion, that interview, that meeting. So I understand fake it till you make it. But what I'm saying is to you in your heart, is that your passion? Is that your love? Is that your desire? If the thing you're doing right now isn't, 
don't quit your job. Please don't do that. Shark Tank talked about this. <laughs> do not quit your job, but please make sure you're working into your passion and your desire. Nobody is going to have the same passion and desire. We're not. We might be like-minded because birds of a feather do flock together. But understand, you start to think a good thing and you end up at the park walking your dog. And the person that was thinking a good thing like you is at the park walking their dog. And they're thinking, man, I just wish I could find somebody that I trust to talk to people about my products. I'm horrible with sales, but I'm great with the product aspect. I just wish I could talk to somebody that understood my products that I'm making, my business that I'm bringing up. I just wish I had somebody I could meet to talk about with my stuff. And boom, you and that dog and that other dog of parent dog, <laughs> however you call it, you both are having fun with, with each other's dogs and laughing and joking. And you both end up at the park at the same time. Coincidence? Ah, blessing? Ah. I don't believe in coincidences. So be passionate. That's okay. And please don't expect all the opportunities to be online. Some of them might be in line in your mind, your central nervous system, that line, your mind. So we got to stop asking why me? We got to stop thinking it's me against the world. That world can help you. Me against the world can turn into me managing the world. Me fact-finding and finding out how to use this world. How to play these cards. I don't have a poker face, but you can. <laughs> Why me never helped? And if you knew the answer to that question, you'd be rich. I wish you did know the answer to that question. Why me? Why are they always getting it? Why am I not getting it? I wish you did know the answer to that question. But it hasn't happened so far. So will you please join me and, and bury that question? Let, let that rest. Let's ask some new questions. Let's reach up. Let's just do better. So. Oh, yes. Let's spread love. Let's spread quality. I hope you love me. I definitely love you. I'm going to have a great weekend. I hope you do as well. I definitely need to get on the grill and cook some good food and make it happen. And uh, yeah. So, like I said, I love you. I hope you love me back. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you next Friday.